SNC versus Trudeau versus Jody Wilson, this whole saga. Um, but today we learn, I think, a small but very important detail. And that is the day Trudeau says uh, was the last time that he spoke to his then Attorney General, Jody Wilson-Raybould. And then, of course, he told her any decision she'd make about SNC was up to her to decide. But this conversation happened two weeks after we learned the Crown had already decided they're going to go ahead with fraud and bribery charges and not do a deal with SNC. So the prosecution was moving ahead on this case. And up until now, we have been led to believe that any conversation between the Prime Minister's office and Jody Wilson-Raybould happened before the prosecution had made the decision. But now we learn that he had it after. After that case had been rubber stamped. And an important part of, of the scandal, which it gets glossed over, is that the government, the Trudeau government, created a new legal tool, which it then quietly buried in an omnibus bill, so no one noticed it. And it was designed for companies, oh yes, just like SNC, which would allow them or any big company like SNC to avoid criminal uh, proceedings, um, allowing them to negotiate a deal, let's say with the prosecution. So they would get penalized, like a fine, a slap on the wrist, but it would spare the employees or that particular company because it's not their fault that those in charge might have gotten into trouble. And, you know, then you protect jobs. That's why you're hearing so much of the prime minister talking about, well, I want to protect jobs and all that crap. So why then, I think the question's to ask, why then is the prime minister talking to the AG at all about this? And why is he talking to her after the courts had already made a decision? Did he admit Mistakenly, did he admit to interfering? Let's ask someone who kind of raised that issue and how I uh, noticed it. University of Ottawa Faculty of Law Assistant Professor Jennifer Quaid. She's a lawyer and she's been following this particular issue very, very closely. She joins us now. Jennifer, I've been watching your uh, Twitter feed, kind of getting some analysis of what you see uh, going on here. And it was one in particular, you know, tweet that you had put out today, taking us through what we've been hearing. And do you believe that the prime minister has admitted to interfering and doesn't know it yet? Well, <laughs> that's it's it's always really dicey to um, to try and characterize what's what's being uh, said, and also, honestly, um, you know, figuring out whether there's interference is, 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 is an appreciation of the entire context. So it's not just about what's, what was said mm-hmm. and what was, uh, and who, who met whom and that kind of thing, because I actually think that uh, probably examining individual incidents in isolation is probably not going to get us um, to uh, a full understanding of what's going on. But let's say that what I saw in the timeline now starts to provide information about the sequence in which things occurred. And that, to me, now raises some questions about, well, if we know a decision was made at this date, Mm -hmm. and then there's a series of contacts subsequent to that, but that, in fact, the, 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 the this decision is not announced until a month later. Why is that? You know, there's this, there's questions that come up, and and what what I worry about is that 
uh, the reason why there are these delays and the reason why there are these spaces is because there was at least an effort to influence. Now, whether or not it happened, uh, I guess, is going to be something we, that we have to wait for the final confirmation of the facts and getting a full picture. But it's certainly now I see where pressure might have uh, been brought to bear because now we see the events lining up. Right, you right. Know, we, see the de- we see the decision. We see that... There were letters sent to the prosecution service, and then, you know, the same day or a day later, we meet with the AG. Like, all of these things are starting to paint a picture. Right. And interestingly, because the Liberals or Mr. Trudeau has changed the story so much, it's almost like they forgot, okay, (laughs) he didn't quite line up the ducks. But the date in particular that Mr. Trudeau is saying is, I had a conversation with Jody Wilson-Raybould on the 17th, and and he, he, he says at that point he said it was up to her what they do. But that would have been two weeks after the prosecution already decided, yep. yes, we're going ahead with these charges of fraud. Clearly, they had a case. They were moving ahead. So I think the question then becomes, why would the prime minister himself talk to her? But why would he be going in two weeks after the fact? It, that, to me, as you point out, would be some kind of interference. Well, so... Allegedly. Let, yeah, I mean, so the, the, two, the two observations that... That I, when I looked at those dates, sort of popped out at me. The first um, is that September fourth, if if that's truly the date when the when the message was given to SNC by the prosecution service, is actually two weeks before Part twenty three twenty two point one of the code comes into force. Mm-hmm. So they're actually giving effect to a law that's not yet actually officially you know, applicable. But leave that aside for a minute, right. you know, because that could have been an explanation for why, you know, maybe the prime minister's office and others sort of thought, well, maybe the prosecution service probably hasn't made their decision yet. Um, in fact, they had, <laughs> but maybe they did know about that. Anyway, certainly SNC would have known about it right away on the 4th. But uh, for sure, uh, the second thing that really struck me is that there you have sort of these these dates when SNC provided information and communicated with the prosecution service. That's what the letter suggests, that these were sent to the prosecution service, not to Jody Wilson-Raybould. Mm-hmm. But then there's a meeting between the prime minister and Judy Wilson-Raybould. Now, what that says to me is, well, it's possible that the prosecutor can reevaluate a decision about settling a case. That's, that's possible if there's new evidence that comes to light. Um, but then, then you sort of wonder, well, how did this decision-making process come together? On what basis did they make the first decision? And how, you know, comfortable were they that they'd made a good decision? And then they got all this extra information. Um, and it's like, it's almost like SNC had like a mini appeal. I mean, they've also gone to the courts now and say, we want another kick at the can. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it seems to me that what, what, I, what I as a lawyer don't like about what I'm seeing is, is that this process doesn't seem to be very rigorous. Like, you know, there doesn't seem to be sort of clear steps. And when you don't have kind of clear steps, then it seems like it's as though the decision wasn't treated as final. It was as though, right. well, there was we, two sets we can of rules. Again. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, 
Which then takes me, because a lot of people are saying, okay, we're not sure, because we're not sure where this is going. I mean, Jody Wilson-Raybould has been very ambiguous. You kind of think you know where she's going, and then all of a sudden she doesn't say anything. So, you know, there's been conversations, including with my own colleague, uh, Charles Adler, about what happens if Jody Wilson-Raybould never speaks. Like, we don't ever get clarification on this. Why does it matter? Does the story just go away? And if uh, and, and the way I look at this, Jennifer, if this story goes away, then we as a country have accepted that we are no longer a country made and based on the rule of law. That That's why this story is important. Uh, well, it certainly, let's put it, I don't want to be overly dramatic here. I don't, I don't fear that tomorrow the system, the criminal justice system falls apart. Yeah. But I think, you know, because there, there are many, many prosecutors making decisions all the time, and I have high amounts of confidence in their ethical and professional conduct, right? mm-hmm. that the system really hinges on our confidence that these people do their jobs and, 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 uh, and really, uh, you know, think about what they're doing in the public interest. And I, and I have no reason to doubt that. But it does send a message that there are going to be cases where we're going to put that to the side. Yeah. And unfortunately, the message it sends is that some are more important than others, and that that uh, you know, it, it seems like the importance factor is a function of economic clout. Right. In other words, you've and, got the money. You like, know, you've you know, got your own yeah. system. Right. We don't like that in a democracy, right? Well, in a democracy, we're supposed to be about having rules for everyone, and that we're all governed by the same rules, no matter how powerful we are. Now, we all accept that there's probably a little bit of slippage in that. But we want to be attentive to that not uh, becoming too ingrained. And it's particularly uh, the case that, um, you know, when we we get on our high horse and lecture the Chinese (laughs) about how we do things so well. I mean, unfortunately, I guess that's hubris, right? But it just... And as again, I say it's not as though Canada's system is falling apart. But, no, but you've got this oh, case, you've the got the Mark, yeah, and you've got the Mark uh, Norman yeah. case, and those are two very big cases because we're speaking to either the government weaponized the system to go after a political foe, or they manipulated the system to get a a French, uh, a Quebec friend, you know, a favor. Neither is a good look. But then, oh no, yeah, and then we go back to this remediation agreement. This this part of the um, you know the, an omnibus bill, and it doesn't get talked about a lot, but the the government, this government created this new legal tool and then kind of buried it in a bill and it only got noticed very recently, designed by chance for companies like, you know, SNC that would allow them to avoid um, any kind of criminal proceeding. Instead, they'd get a fine. And that, to me, is very sneaky. But it might be done for the, better, the bigger and the better good, but it's still very sneaky. Well, the process by which the bill was enacted and this this part of the criminal code was added is unfortunate just be, not just because it appears to be sneaky uh, and you know some people say well you know it was a bill and it's not so anyone hit it yeah no it wasn't as though they were drawing a lot of attention to it too and if you listen to the the um, committee hearings of the finance committee when they finally noticed part mm-hmm. 20 of this bill they were hopping mad uh, and and they didn't know how to ask the right questions and they knew they didn't know how to ask the right questions and they really felt like the wool was being pulled out of their eyes but i think actually you know even if you want to accept that some kind of system like remediation agreements you know what we call dpas is required because our other big trade partners namely the us and the uk have them and you know when you've got international corruption you know it's important that we don't we're not at a disadvantage we missed an opportunity 
in speeding this through. No scrutiny, right. no experts coming to comment on it, no critics coming to comment mm-hmm. on it. And now we have a regime where there are a certain number of things that are missing or that weren't or now coming out even with the SNC case, are unclear. And that's really too bad because we could have done a better job, a much better job, and it wouldn't have had taken, you know, 10 years to do or even five. It would have taken maybe a few more months uh, with some, you know, with some motivation by parties to comment. And so now we've got this provision, and I think people need to remember other companies are going to want to get deals. Yeah. And not just Quebec companies, by the yeah. way. The other, the other, you know, the other, the one conviction we have on the record under the Corruption of Foreign Practices Act, uh, Corruption of Foreign Public Officials Act, is an Alberta uh, resource company. So, you know, resource companies sell their expertise also in the developing world. So there's potential, as is there any time one is offering services or selling things to foreign governments, there's potential risks of corruption. And, and so, you know, this is certainly something that uh, there's, there's a number of prosecutions or investigations, let's say, underway under the uh, Corruption of Foreign Public Officials Act. And part of that is a reflection of the fact that Canada was considered to be a bit of a laggard mm-hmm. up until right. recently. So right. we're trying to establish our cred on that. There will be other companies looking for these deals. So now we've got a less than ideal system, which is really our own fault. There's no reason for that. I'm not saying we would have to have a perfect system, but we could have one better than we've got now. And um, and it, and the worst part of it is that, you know, we rushed it through supposedly because it was really important to get one for S&C, and now we find out that that, that didn't work out either. So it, it, it just seems like it was all avoidable. Yes, and, and it all it, looks it, very shady. Yeah, I'm up against the right. clock, but Jennifer, just before I let you go, if you had, a, you know, if you were a betting gal, it, does this story go away, or is there just too much, too much smoke under this, uh, you know, burning? I think a lot is going to depend on the next few days when some of the key figures are actually asked questions yeah. and have to answer. Then, then we'll see which way direction it goes. Stay tuned. I'll, uh, I'll have you on again. I appreciate your insight into this. Good catch by you uh, uh, and your observations. Thank you very much. My pleasure. That is Jennifer Quaid joining us. So, yeah, we'll find out when she talks, if she actually says anything more than, I can't comment. I cannot comment. I cannot comment. I hope if she says that I cannot comment, she's at least shaking or nodding her head. <laughs> then maybe that, you know, just send us a code, Jody Wilson-Raybould. She's blinking in Morris code. Like if you blink twice, that's a yes. They put a lot of pressure on me. Dot, 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 dash, 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 <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I saw it different, felt it differently than he did. I'm Alex Pierce. This is Global News Radio.